Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well, calm, cool, collected after what I think has been a a pretty frustrating week from an Arsenal fan's perspective. And I think uh, what's been kind of interesting about this is that regardless of where you are on the the optimism, pessimism spectrum, and it is a spectrum, let's remember that. It's not simply a case of, you know, these binary positions that you have to take. You can like some shit and not like some shit. You can not like some shit and like some other shit, you know. So this this spectrum of opinion that exists among Arsenal fans about where we are, what we're doing, how we're doing it, the process, not the process, all the rest of it, there was, I think, a fairly unanimous sense that we needed to get somebody in during the transfer window, particularly if there was no way back for Aubameyang, and that's obviously turned out to be the case, and we haven't brought anyone in, and, you know, you have to sit and think and rationalize these things and go, well, maybe, you know, if we can get Martinelli scoring, and if Lacazette can bang in a few goals, and we've got Saka and Smith-Rowe and Odegaard, and they could get a few, and maybe Eddie could come off the bench and get one or two, I suppose. And you're trying to, I don't know, convince yourself of something that maybe deep down you don't necessarily believe, and that's kind of where I've been with this week. Like, I hope, I have a lot of hope uh, that, that Martinelli and Smithrow and Saka and Odegaard can can connect and click and score goals. And I hope that Lacazette can. I hope Nketiah can. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get a centre half who can chip in with a goal or two. Or maybe even a goal or two from central midfield. Wouldn't that be a thing? Wouldn't that be a thing in this um, second half of the season, this run-in of games, 17 games that we've got to play? But it's still hard not to be worried that we didn't add anyone to the squad. And I understand the reasons. I know that we can't keep buying players that we don't really want. I absolutely stand by that. We've got to learn our lessons. But at the same time, it's not quite as binary as, as people might have you think, that you, you can only buy or only bring in exactly the right player at exactly the right price for exactly the right wages, or you don't get the deal done. Sometimes in football, you have to compromise a little bit. And that's why I, I, I feel a bit frustrated that we didn't maybe use the loan market just to augment the squad with somebody on a short-term basis, even if it's not the super shiny new signing we were all hoping for, but I do feel like somebody could have helped us, just given us a bit more depth, another option, perhaps a different way to attack. Um, 
I'm not saying sign a six foot ten guy, but you know what I mean. There's there's things maybe we could have done, but we didn't. And what we have, we have now. And as we go forward uh, into the remaining games of this season, we've got to hope that these guys can deliver. It's a small squad, so maybe that's an advantage in some ways if we can avoid injuries and suspensions. Just having that tight unit might bring everyone together and get the best out of everyone. And let's be clear, I think we are going to need the best out of pretty much everyone if we are going to get to where we hope we can get to this season. So let's see what happens. Right, today's episode, uh, I thought we might do a little bit of a a mailbag, sort of Q&A type uh, episode, because there's a lot going on this week and people have a lot of things they want to talk about and want to ask about. With me to go through some of the questions which have come from our uh, Patreon members on our Discord is Tayo Papula. Hi, Tayo. Hello, mate. For one moment, I thought you were going to say from our disgruntled uh, viewers, (laughs) which would have been the same actually discord viewers yeah um hello mate thanks for having me as ever i'm in a slightly quieter place than um a mansion in the beef for this time so uh, right quite a few complaints about that last time so well, that, yeah i mean you know it's it's a sort of win-win for you though it got done and you're in a mansion in ibiza so you know true that true yeah that. No. nice to be back here it's nice to be talking to you today and nice to talk to you as well how are you feeling about i suppose the the, the big story um, we could touch on the transfer window is uh, is obviously uh, a thing but the Aubameyang departure how are you feeling about that uh I feel tired like I feel beat I feel a little <laughs> bit browbeaten in this la- this last couple of weeks this Arsenal fan has felt quite tricky and I realize that there's a world's smallest violin at play here anytime mm. you like you complain about this stuff but hey it's our club we can complain I'm finding it difficult at the moment um and it's a good and a bad thing that there's no football at the moment. Um, yeah, I find it quite depressing. I'm very sad about Oba leaving. I'm very sad about the way that he has left. Um, I've seen, obviously, see a couple of comments saying, well, he wasn't scoring and da, 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 at the time. But I think his lack of form with the health issues that we know that he's had, his mm. lack of form is obviously linked with this problem that he's had uh, with the manager up to now. So I just think it's a shame. <laughs> a quieter yeah, place, absolutely. <laughs> I just think it's a shame that um, it's a shame that he hasn't had a chance to say goodbye. It's a shame that the most prolific striker out of the um, out of the ones that we have, not saying much, has gone. Mm. I think it's a shame that another high profile departure is, has ended acrimoniously. It's another shame that another player who in another life would have cost somebody else a lot of money has been a burden who we've been trying to get rid of and haven't really profited from Mm. so i just sit here today looking at it and i'm yeah as i say a bit browbeaten by with it at the moment Mm. it's a weird one you know because um i was looking for pictures for the uh for the podcast today and i found a a good one i think it was after a, a game of Arteta and Aubameyang and their relationship looks good and you know you can read a lot into pictures if you want but you know they're hugging and smiling and I think all along their relationship has been really good um you know Arteta was pushing for the contract extension when that went down when Aubameyang needed time off um you know because of the the sick uh, family member he had last year he got time off the club were very accommodating 
when he wasn't scoring, when the form was out the window, Arteta was, you know, always there to defend him and to say, look, he's a great goal scorer. You know, it'll come around again. He picked him week after week after week. So whatever's happened is clearly, you know, it's it's sort of blown up that entire relationship. And I think I, I share a lot of the same feelings as you. I liked him as a player. You know, I... I never really got that sense that he was just phoning it in after his contract extension. I think his form was poor and there were reasons for it. But, you know, from a a club perspective, to have another player go, we have to incentivize the departure. We have to write off any potential transfer fee and we have to see out the rest of this season with with two strikers who who don't convince us. So it is all around just a, a, a shame and a sad situation. I mean, you talk about those pictures that you were looking for. Andrew and we all remember the you know see what was it you know after the FA Cup final mm. see I told you after the semi-final one and it was FA Cup but it was like see I told you I told you like trust me or whatever mm. there was that real kind of you know we thought that we got him around he scored one of my favorite goals that he scored and um, I'm sure you saw up on on Twitter yesterday I put that I put that uh, that little dinked finish with mm. my favorite um, commentary from Jonathan Pierce the tickled it one Oh, he's tickled it. Um, there was a happy, yeah, like what a deterioration from that situation where he'd got, we seemed like we'd got our star man, but the problems also started with, I don't know whether the problems, I mean, we're not coaches, but, you know, things haven't gone great. First of all, he's out on the left and all that. It just seemed like to be a litany of things, one after another, like, being out on the left, maybe not being so comfortable there, or at least taking time to get used to that. And then the disciplinary things. But it did really feel like, you know, I said on I said on our own podcast that it was definite. it felt, the beginning of the end, uh-oh, mm. um, Tottenham game, uh-oh, right? You've, you've tucked him up, mate. And I know we want to believe, and, and it's right, you know, disciplinary action and so forth. I know that. I know that you can't, like, take the piss. Um, but he's also the captain, the best player, and you do sometimes wonder if it's been handled right, right? Mm, sure. Whether it's been handled right. And, you know, I heard someone, again, after, like, just voicing my disapproval on social media, someone said, like, you know, you can't have this, um, you can't have that kind of disrespect, and that might be a thing. We kept the right one. Talking about um, editing Nettier. Um that's just an incom- incomparable conversation. Like you can be the nicest, most compliant person in the world, but like you, you, you can't not score any goals as well. Mm. So the ultimate thing is, is that as um, you know, as many have pointed out, we've gone into the trans, we've come out of the transfer window, weaker than we went in having scored one goal all season and score, and the person who scores most of those goals, that's the bald facts of it. And it just leaves me very, very fearful for the rest of the season with uh, some of the scrappy teams that are around us. And, you know, we literally don't have the firepower um, to hold them off, it seems. Mm. It's got to come from somewhere else um, and someone else. And we might have a question about that in a while. But we had a, mm. one here from Henry Powell who said... Is Aubameyang leaving a positive or a negative for the young players in the squad, such as Saka, Smith, Rowe, etc.? Positive in that Arteta is showing trust in their abilities, although 
doesn't have much choice at this point, or mm. negative in that it could show a lack of ambition and there's one less experienced player in the squad for them uh, to learn off. Yeah, interesting. There's there's been that there's been that kind of overblown for me thing about how Lacazette helps. You know, helps um, helps the youngsters kind of almost like uh, well like the leaden-footed player he is in the middle and them orbiting around him. Um, I don't th- I don't think it will be seen as a positive by the young players, not least because it's more of a burden on it's more of a burden on them. I mean Sack mm. is already Sack has already been uh, looking like he's shouldering the, the the expectations of an entire team on his young shoulders. Um and he's obviously getting help from um Smith Rowe and Erdegaard, of course, as well. But yeah, I can't see it as a positive for the for for the players. I can see it. I can see the comparison with um, just before my time in terms of getting rid of Charlie Nicholas and you know some of the some of the bigger players as George Graham did to let room for you know Merce, mm. um, Thomas and so on to come through. So that would be. Being generous, you could say that there's and there's more room now for those players um, to blossom, and more players who are in Arteta's image, but um, I, or or who haven't achieved without him is what I mean. But I just I just can't see it as a positive at all. I can't yeah. see anything but it being um, less good for Arsenal this season. Yeah, I mean, Crocky Rocky actually made that point. He said, is Arteta doing a George Graham? Just had a look and. Uh, George Graham ditched Charlie Nicholas, most expensive player, Paul Mariner, Tony Woodcock, and went with Quinn, Hayes, and Groves. He said it worked for a while, but all three of those are probably better than uh, Nketiah, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think we, as football fans, we we seek positives because they're ways or they're easy ways to try and explain what a football club does or what we might be able to do. And I, I get it. Like, I... I want to think the best of the club and the team and everyone in there uh, that they all want to win and and everything else and maybe you know there is a possibility that Aubameyang's departure will provide playing time up front for let's say Martinelli who blossoms and scores 10 goals between now and the end of the season and everyone is going well if Aubameyang wasn't there we we wouldn't have done it at the same time, though, when you look at the the bare facts of it, um, we we are missing a, a big player. The departure is contentious. Um, I think every Arsenal player in that team, in that squad right now, would probably want Aubameyang in the squad at the very least, if not necessarily the starting eleven. They'd want him in the squad because your chances of winning games are better when you've got more players in your squad who can score goals. You've got an experienced guy and, and everything else. And even as an option from the bench, um, which I, I guess was just unworkable given the circumstances, um, you know, we can't... I don't think we can say this is in any way positive right now. In May, maybe, if all the stars align and everything comes together, maybe we can say it's a positive. But I don't really know how any anyone can say it's a, it's a positive now. And then the sort of... The dressing this up as, well, we've saved X million in wages. Like, pound notes are not going to score us any goals uh, between yeah. now and May. Yeah, you said, um, I, I almost dislocated my neck nodding when I read that <laughs> yesterday. It's like, look, we're, 
it's great. It's when people start talking about, you know, spends and stuff. We're football fans. We want to see players on the pitch and we see them scoring goals. Like, you've saved 27 million. Well done. Like, I mean... <laughs> It's obviously good, or I don't. I don't care. I want. I want. I want to. You know, <laughs> if if you save that twenty-seven million quid and reduce our season tickets further, then great. Thank you. And then you know there might be something in it. But the yeah, good- I don't care. I want to see good players. I want to see good players at the club, and we've just been significantly weakened. And what a burden to put on. You know, this isn't. Cha- no, I've said this before on this podcast. It's not championship manager. Oh yeah, we can just move Martinelli into the middle, and he's going to score those goals. And I can see the point about giving him a go there. But he wouldn't give, given Martinelli's build and give, given Martinelli's kind of um, uh, attributes, mm. and given how Mikel Arteta has shown us how he wants to play, and given that he put our current top scorer, our, well, our, our top scorer at the time, on the left wing because he didn't have the game that Arteta wanted and we had to play somebody who's been playing as I've said before like with a surgical boot on his foot um, all season what's to say why will I can't see Arteta doing that Mm. I can't see Arteta playing that uh, Martinelli through the middle for example it might be as an experiment he might do that and to your second point about about from the bench the bench has been a really really the bench has been a really really depressing part of the of, of, of January um, not being able to change stuff, mm. not being able to magic up a goal from from um, from Burnley. And by the way, some of the players on the bench. I mean, he was at the Afcon. He's been, um, but even if Pepe had been on the bench, he probably still wouldn't have played him. So there's some. <laughs> so there's something. So there's something. There's something there at the moment which is kind of leaving me a little bit uneasy. Every time I think about Arsenal at the moment, I'm getting that kind of feeling that I've left the oven on, you know? Just like it's just not making me sit comfortably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could take that $27 million and spend it on Mustafi Mark too. I mean, to be fair... <laughs> To be fair, the recruitment, I think, in the summer, we're all pretty okay with what they did and how they spent the money. So I think they've earned some trust in that regard. But, you know, the the money is going to do us no good whatsoever between now and and May. And I was on a a thing the other night with, um, I was on the Gooner talk. Uh, Kevin Campbell was on and he was talking about, you know, the idea of Martinelli playing up front like he doesn't want to see it because he reckons he'll just get smashed all over the place by the central defenders in in the Premier League. But I don't I don't really know what what else we can do unless Lacazette and Enketia start scoring. I don't know what else there is. People talk about Pepe as a center forward. I I don't see it to be honest because like you say he barely gets a game in his natural position anyway albeit he's competing with, with Bakayo Saka so that's understandable to an extent but I just don't see Arteta using him there so that that's you know me trying to think about what way could Arsenal change things what way could Arsenal be less predictable what way could we shift mid-game to maybe cause the opposition a, a different kind of a problem, which I think he could give. But I accept the point that physically maybe he might get, you know, clattered around a little bit. Um, and there is also the other point. Well, there are a couple of things there. First of all, <clears throat> it does sound, a li- not just because of the nationality, but it does sound a tiny bit Jovino-ish, the idea of moving Pepe into some kind of magical number nine role. Do you remember that? That happened a few that? times, didn't it? Once, yeah. It, yeah. Um, and also, and there's something else you just said there as well, like changing it mid-game. But um, I can't remember too many games <laughs> where Mikel Arteta has, uh, has, has, has changed it. Mm. Um, 
tactics and the real problem which we've had all season I mean not li- apart from the sort of non-scoring centre forwards is getting the ball to the non-scoring centre forwards like you know that that in that number 10 pocket kind of like mm. having the ball further up the field to do to 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 affect kind of change so there's definitely an issue there as well um and that might be because of as i say the you know, immobile number 9 um there are better tacticians to talk about is that, that. is but, is that his um full name now in your <laughs> the, immobile. Head, the immobile number 9 is that how you <laughs> yeah i just i <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because like we're sitting, we sort of two middle aged <laughs> middle aged men. We know we're mobile when we see it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about talking about cre- talking about a creaking thirty year old who is much more athletic, much <laughs> much better football than we ever were and ever will be. But you know, as we as, as we as we watch it, there is that there is an issue. Mm. Um, and I've really struggled in the season. I've been called harsh around in our in our block for vocally sighing, but. It's a problem. It's a problem, and I can't see. Um, and the backup is a problem as well. Um, and that's it. Like we haven't got any strikers. <laughs> yeah, so it does place a big burden, doesn't it, on Saka and Smithrow and Martinelli, and from wide positions, Saka and Pepe, and uh, and all of that. I mean, that that seems to be the most um, the way we're going to get the most goals out of this team is from those wide positions rather than a centre forward, but. But, and yeah, we know that. We're not the only ones who know that. Like, mm. as we saw, Burnley knew that, right? Yeah. Um, and then you've got this, um, you've got this impossible burden on these young players against a grown-up team. And we just kept on, you know, we talk, you've talked about it, we've talked about it. Um, we kept throwing the ball in to players who, we kept throwing the balls in and Sean Deitch's kind of monsters ate it up. It was easy for them. So mm. we do get it out wide, but... Um, Saka's been doubled up on all the time. There was one move, and I think it was against Burnley, it was one move where all the people you wanted to be on the ball in the build-up, in fact, it was the build-up to, I think, the Lacazette shot in the first half, which, which, he, which he skewed wide. Everyone you wanted to have the ball, we're still a couple of players short going forward and with mm. those kind of transition, but everyone you wanted to have the ball... Um, Odegaard to I think it was to Smith Rowe, Saka to Smith Rowe over to um, you know to Martinelli to a centre forward who mm. on this occasion was Lacazette and skewed it wide. So more of that, but that was the only time I can remember <laughs> in January that that happened. Yeah, January was was not much fun. Um, where where do you stand on the you know the the idea that because of all the issues we've had with players and players who haven't been the right fit and players who haven't really given us what we expect them to, you know, not spending to make sure we don't make those kind of mistakes again, even if it is in some way costly in the short term, you know, not panic buying, not desperation buying. I mean, it does make sense. It is logical because we have had these these um, problems in the past and we have had to pay players to go away and all the rest of it but it does it yeah. doesn't make it any less frustrating does it when you know that there is still a big big gap in in the squad as as uh, you know we, we definitely have at center forward no and that kind of that kind of plays into what um the sort of tiredness with it all is like it's the right thing to not panic by but 
the fact that we're in this situation with so much deadwood, with so many free players, with so many, as you said, incentivized moves away from the club, mm. the fact that we're there is a it's a mess. And I know that you know you've very uh, virulently on um, Edu, and it's on Edu now to 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 kind of get on with it. Mm. And I I get that we didn't do that, but. And again, it's, it's championship manager, so what do we know? We weren't in the boardroom, but could we not have, you know, players go out on loan? Like we, We've we Dennis Suarez did it before. Could we do a good, you know, but we also Martin Odegaard did it before. Mm. So couldn't we, have, couldn't we have found a a decent striker because we've got a problem on loan for, for six months? I dare say they looked, so of course, you know, but was it impossible? But the fact that we're in that situation in the first place where we're, we're going to commend the board for not, ballsing up a January buy is a indictment uh, on, on, on what's <laughs> happened on what's happened before. So yeah. yes, it is a plus that we're not going to be stuck with a terrible player. Like for example, we're well, not a terrible player, but it's, it's good that we didn't, I don't know, spend 50 million on a striker in January only to spend 50 million on a striker in the summer. August, yeah. Which, yeah. You know, we'd never, we'd never do that. Would we? No, we would never do that. <laughs> We would never do that. That's for sure. Um, okay, here is a question from uh, Zukas or Zukas. He says, "What do we think? Is this going to be the best Amazon All or Nothing season ever? It's been ridiculously dramatic. I wonder slash hope if it will shed light on all of this, and I hope it's got a banger of an ending in store." I hope so too. I hope it ends in a against all odds. Um, uh, Champions League place of course I do I'll settle for Europe of course I will but I also think it's going to be rubbish because <laughs> I I, th I think it's going to be rubbish I think it's going to be embarrassing and I think I think it's going to be rubbish because Mikel Arteta in a good way because Mikel Arteta is not like a preening show pony like um, his Portuguese equivalent um, at their program, mm. on their program. So there's that. But he also won't say anything. Like, I mean, he, he doesn't, he won't say anything. <laughs> he, nothing, I'll be surprised if anything new comes from it. I'll be surprised if the Ober thing is covered in, for example, in any kind of dramatic detail. Um, yeah, it's, I think it, I mean, I, I don't. I haven't. I haven't really watched many of them apart from. I mean, the Sunderland one was good. The Man City one was pretty boring. Um, it's very hard to shake off the cameras. Obviously, didn't bother watching theirs. Um, I'm not. I won't say I'm looking forward to it. I, I. I'm sitting here quite loftily saying I won't watch it, but of course I will. We'll all watch it because I, it's I Arsenal will, content. I will pirate it. I'm just putting it on the record now. I will pirate that series. Yeah. There's. Um, yeah right. I mean, I, I I'm pushing for the way I want to watch it is um, with a watch along with with Keith Dover, um, <laughs> and just put it out as a podcast. <laughs> just have him, just have Keith commenting on it. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm. I won't say I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be weird because you know I wonder if when the cameras are around for a while, people get used to them and then maybe drop their guard a little bit. But you know, when you know cameras are on you. It's not real. It's not. It's reality TV, I guess, but it's not really real. And like you say, with Mikel Arteta, you know, there's um, 
there are press conferences where he won't even tell us which players are injured or slightly injured, you know. So the idea that this is going to be some kind of an expose on the season and we're going to get this warts and all look behind some of the more contentious decisions, uh, you know. I can imagine the Aubameyang thing, like, you know, there'll be a black screen, Aubameyang returned late, he never played for the club again. And that's basically it, you know. Whereas I think there's probably some mileage out of all the you know, the COVID stuff and the postponement of the North London Derby, because that's kind of like the, the, the stuff they could really build around, you know, the way the media reacted to, um, to Arsenal having a game postponed versus pretty much everybody else having games postponed. They never said a fucking word, you know, that's the kind of thing I think they might be able to go big on, but you know, maybe there might be a surprise or two in the, in the series, we might get to know Edu a bit better, or Vinay, or or um, what's the guy Tim Lewis, uh, Dickie Garlic. Who knows? Maybe one of them is a real character, and, and yeah, uh, maybe one of them like kind of you know got like Ted Lasso style, like I don't know, body popping in the you know. Maybe one of them's a coach. Maybe maybe we'll follow. Yeah. Maybe we'll follow some of um, what we call one of the pit crew, the training lot. Um, mm. round, Lon- round London on a massive bender that would be all or nothing that I would tune into if we could just like you know I don't know if uh, <laughs> if uh, Edu ends up in like fabric on a Saturday like um, <laughs> like getting down to some techno yeah. um, with cameras with him we're all the more reason why it's mad that given how private Arteta is all the more reason why the Aubameyang thing was played out so publicly so obviously you know it, it, it felt a little bit yeah. out of character or um well maybe it didn't feel out of character you definitely wanted to make an example of him um and it just it felt grubby from the start really i guess it kind of had to be though because you can't sort of you know whatever you could say about a player being disciplined for a couple of weeks if you know it's going to be a couple of weeks you can just say back injury you know yeah. he's got calf strain and then after two weeks in you come and, you know, nobody's any the wiser and I'm, you know, almost certain there have been back strains and all of that kind of stuff that have happened in the past where players haven't gone to certain games and it's been a disciplinary thing, but nobody knows about it. But when I suppose the the seriousness of the infraction from one side is, you know, so that you you don't envisage that player ever playing again, then maybe you have to go public with it. I don't know. It just yeah. I mean, there was something today. Um, um, I think maybe James, um, or somebody on the Athletic wrote about um, just his press conference. He says, "You know, my problem is with my problem was with Arteta, and I can't say much more." Yeah, he was asked so, actually. Suspect- he he was actually asked in the press conference, right. "Was the problem with Arteta?" And he said, "Yeah, it was just with Arteta. He wasn't happy. Um, I stayed calm, whatever it was, but." I mean that that's you're managing you're managing players. Look, I'm not I'm not really here to like to say you have to give a pass to because you know mm. give a pass to to players or what. But maybe if you look at how many players keep being put on the naughty shelf and not getting off the naughty shelf, by mm. the way. Because that's a there's a thing there's a level of humility there and accepting apologies or moving on from stuff right mm. we, you know we've all that's a thing um, and it doesn't it, it doesn't seem to happen like you're on the naughty step you're done like I mean for, managers I was going to say Ferguson Arsene Wenger um, albeit already sounding like from another era but players 
managers fall out with players, but they don't stay falling out with them. And like, this is a massive cutting off one's nose to spite one's face situation. And you might think that it needed to be done, but how do we get, how do we get there? Like, you know, we don't know the ins and outs. How do you get to such a point that on more than one occasion, very useful players Mm. have been ostracized and have made us a less good football team, which ultimately is kind of what we're here for. Mm. And let, you know, and never mind, never mind the players who do seem to be able to do anything. We haven't mentioned him today. I'm sure you will, but um, never mind the fact that some players who don't, who can do no wrong when they do everything wrong. What? Because their attitude's good, but fine. E five for effort. Well done, you. But like, I'll take the I'll take the genius who's who who who's less of a team player um, mm. any day. That's me personally. I know. Look, I know what you're saying. I think it is a. It's it's one of those where if a manager, do you remember when Arsene Wenger there was a thing with Alexis and he punished him by putting him on the bench for a game against Liverpool. And then we were two nil down at half time and. <laughs> <laughs> and and took him off and put him on. I, I I can't remember what happened. I think we lost three one, something like that. Mm. And people say, well, that was very ineffective discipline for a player. If you think he's done something wrong, but you keep him on the bench, you're not really disciplining him, you know. Mm. Um, but I wonder if that perhaps is a more, you know, if if as a manager you have to kind of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, just accept the fact that some people are going to call you a Burke, you know, when you do something like that. But ultimately, what, what the decisions you're making are, um, you know, what you think are the best for the team. And look, I don't doubt that that's what Mikel Arteta has in his mind. I'm pretty sure he would prefer to have Aubameyang mm. in his squad than not. But if he's trying to, in his own mind, build something or create a culture or whatever it is, and this is contrary to that, you know, the the Ozil thing, I think, you know, there was a player who's very much in decline anyway. Um, who's the other one he fell out with? Well, Gendouzi's the other one he I fell out think. with. And like, pff, I'm not that fussed about Gendouzi. Could we have used Gendouzi yeah. for a couple of games in January this year? Yeah. But like, I'm not that worried about Gendouzi. I'm worried about the Aubameyang one, though. I really am because um, yeah, I, I do... do wonder, ex- sorry, go on. I do wonder if... um. You know, it's his first job. He's learning on the job. It's mm. a pretty big place. To, it's a it's a big place to learn. Like you know, you might ask him in twenty years' time, and he'd be like, "Maybe I could have handled my star players differently, mm. right?" And I think I don't know if because there's less of a gap between you know those guys have achieved stuff without him. The the you know the the new the, the new breed um, are achieving stuff with him for him at the same time as him. Right? Mm. You know, Smith Rowe and so on, the 22, 23 year olds in our squad. Um, big players, you know, is he going to learn to handle big players better? Probably as he gets older and better in it. But I'm still not super comfortable about Arsenal being someone's training wings. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Well, here's a question from Flivco or Fivco. Is it an I or is it an L? I should wear my glasses or I should increase the font size, one or the other. It looks like an L, so it's Flivco. Flavco? I don't know. Anyway, he's on the Discord and he says, I have a question. Um, and I th- it's a quite a specific question here, but I think it might also feed into this little discussion that we're having right now. He said, We know Arteta was a model professional during his playing days and seems to hold that in high regard as a coach. Do you think this is something he's looking for when scouting players that they'll be mature professional players? And I just think that's kind of interesting when we're talking about how he deals with with certain situations that that dedication that he had when he was a player maybe isn't something he can connect with if another player is you know a really good player but whose training isn't as great and I'm not saying that Aubameyang wasn't good in training or anything I'm just using it as a general point that 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 what he might perceive as a lack of seriousness about the way they go about their job or live their life might play a part in some of the decisions that he has made? I think undoubtedly. I mean, yeah, he had a... Did I read somewhere that he wasn't the most popular in the dressing room? Like, he's got that kind of school monitor vibe about him, hasn't he? Like, you can just imagine him as a pro. Mm. Um, just like, in a good way, that, you know, a dedicated, he had a great he had, he had a great career. So I do think that, yeah, of course, he, you know, he's, he's gone on about his, um, his standards. What's the word I'm looking for? His un- non-negotiables. That's it. His non-negotiables um, because that's how he did it. But again, is that how modern football's managed? I mean, interesting, just now when you reeled off the three players that he's fallen out with, arguably none of them, apart from Aubameyang right now, yeah, none of them are necessarily the wrong decision but it just it just feels quite aggy like it, you might be right all the time but it doesn't like every th- three or four months you've got you're falling out with someone mm. like you might be in the right about it but then maybe you do need to look maybe you know maybe you do need to look at stuff differently I mean Arsene Wenger was the complete opposite um um we heard many times about how he couldn't deal with any confrontation at all um with with players and that was um and and that didn't come without its problems mm. either, but it, I don't know. It feels it feels definitely a bit draconian. And to answer the question, it's certainly because of how um, Mikel Arteta played his career. But you'll 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 get that from any kind of recent ex pro who's 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 who can see. You know, he probably sees the players. He sees the players as still a lot closer to him than you know. Mm. Than the older managers, obviously, and therefore still in the idea that they should live their lives the way he lived his. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, you know, I think there's something interesting about it as well because you know, 
I don't know how many times on this podcast and your podcast and, and everywhere else, we've sort of talked about a lack of seriousness about Arsenal and the Arsenal dressing room and certain characters and individuals in it and the way that they play and the way that they are coddled and the way that they, you know, you can make a mistake and you get back in the team next week and you make another mistake and you're back in the team next week. And I know people are thinking of Granite Xhaka right now, but, you know, you know, the, the, there has been a sense that it hasn't been as serious as it should be at Arsenal. You know, we've seen cup finals, that we've won, but also cup finals where Mustafi did that thing against Aguero, you know, in the league cup final in 2018 or whenever it was. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? You know? And I've, I've, I'm sort of torn between the idea of, look, you have to treat individuals differently, or you have to be understanding of different circumstances and you have to, you know, when you do have a star player, I'm not saying you should indulge them because I think that comes with its own consequences as we've seen at Arsenal with, with star players indulged to the uh, to the point where they don't feel like they have to perform anymore, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that changing, but when it's happening in front of you, it's kind of hard to, to reconcile, isn't it? Because there's the human element as well. Yeah, I think so. And I, yeah. I think so. Uh, this one, but this one cuts because of the other factors that we've talked about. Mm. So you can't on one hand say we want our club to have more seriousness and we want some standards. I agree with you 100% there. You can't say that and then start um, making allowances for, but, what, but you do also have to manage you are also the manager of the club and the manager of these players and you need to manage the situation and try and get as many points as possible. Mm. Um, and I don't know, was it hastened through, what, was it hastened through because we had the, because there was a chance to get rid of him in January and therefore we might, and we might not have that chance to get rid of him in the summer. So maybe there was an I'm asking the question, has there been an element of that? But this mm. one is going to hurt the team um, much more so than the other two that he's, uh, the other two that he's fallen out with. So that's, it's, it's a difficult one because mm. you want the standards of the club. I also want to see goals when I sit in the mm. West stand, please. Um, and we've taken away a huge, you know, a big source of that. Uh, well, yeah, like we said, it's one of those decisions that will be, you know, you can look back on in May and say, well, fair enough, he got it right. Or, well, that was a big, big gamble they took and it fucking didn't pay off at all. So um, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, Chris, my arse blog says, who are the three players you would sell your soul for? so that they played in every game for the rest of this season to give us the best possible chance of top four? Ooh. Um, who are the three players who you'd sell yourself for to make sure that they played? Um, mm. I mean, I guess... <laughs> Sacra Martinelli uses up two. Mm. Um, and... I kind of want to say Rams. I kind of want to say Ramsdale, but I also want to. I kind of want to say Ramsdale. Um, I'm going to do that because otherwise I'd be here all day. Um, he asked for three, and it's it's not supposed to be easy. I'm going to say Saka. I love seeing Martinelli, 
And I think Ramsdale has been hugely important to the way we play. I might just take one of those out and put in Thomas Partey. Leave he- Ramsdale. I'm going to put in Thomas Partey. Well, I was going to choose Thomas Partey, actually, even though... You know, I, I, I think we, we've yet to see the best of him on a consistent basis. But when I think about what this team needs to do in the next 17 games, I would feel a lot more confident with him playing all of those 17 games, whether regardless of who he's got beside him, whether it's Sambi, whether it's Granit Xhaka, whether it's Martin Odegaard, whether it's Moel Nenny. You know, I don't mind. But I think he, as somebody who can give us something in midfield that the others can't, he's definitely one for me. Um, the other for me is Smith Rowe. Um, ahead of Saka only because I think if Saka gets an injury or whatever, we do have Nicolas Pepe. So we've got a kind of uh, player there who can step in and who has got a good record of goal scoring and assists in his time. And then the other one... I kind of think Tommy Yasu. Mm. Like, I know there are more important players in the team, but it's like Tommy Yasu or Cedric. And I'm like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Involuntary kind yeah. of laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You, you've picked three players which are so important to the way that Arteta wants to play when things are going well. You pick mm. to the fact that Smith Rowe's first action is the push and like he pushes and runs. He's on the move all the yeah. time, and it's so good. He's on the move all the time. Um, uh, Partey is on the move when he lets the ball roll across him and uh, like sets the motion forward. Um, and Tommy Yasu has got a great habit of with his kind of like deceptive turn of pace like mm. getting in front of his getting in front of his player so all the three that you've chose like um, I'm kind of I'm 100% behind because they all put Arsenal very briefly on the front foot yeah before, before we turn in obviously and pass it back across the arc of frustration <laughs> but there is that lovely moment where you think right we're off, we're off. <laughs> the arc of frustration I like it um yeah um we Partey is so important for that part because you can say party and one other. Um, I mean, the midfield has been so depressing for obvious reasons and it's been covered to death. But mm. it's wild that we're so short in the midfield <laughs> at Arsenal Football Club currently in the at the upper end of the table. It's absolutely wild that it's, it's, it's come to that and that with the AFCON coming up miles in advance mm. that, that that happened. And the fact that... W- it's just it's just being in the last chance alone. Having one player being so important at a club of our size and with our ambitions um, is, you know, even in the um, someone's going to roll their eyes about the good old days. But <laughs> Vieira missed Vieira missed a lot of games. And they, okay, right, you never minded if it was if you turned. I rarely looked at team sheets in those days, um, but. It didn't. Oh, Vieira's not playing. Oh, damn. Oh, well, we, oh, well, well, Edu and it's Edu and Pardo. It's Edu and Gilberto. Gilberto. It's you know Grimondi sat in. What do you know what I mean? Like mm. he'd never been in a position. And if Thierry, if Thierry was missing, even even through the years, uh, I'm I'm going to that era as as a default. But you could do it with the with the with 
with the rebuild as well. Mm. There were players who'd come in and it was never that super important unless it was RVP or, or Sesk. But to have one player in the position that we're in um, being so important is, again, another horrible thing about our transfer policy in the last few years. Mm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> here is here is one from, we'll do um, two more and then we'll yeah. head off. One from Nono Sayaya. If you had to guess... <laughs> Sorry, I enjoyed that. If you had to guess, who will be our leading scorer from here on out and who will be our leading assister? I mean, leading scorer will be... <laughs> it's hard. That's one. That's a tough one, isn't it? I will... Well, he doesn't play all the games. Otherwise, I'd push him. He doesn't start all the games. But maybe he'll start playing more than Millsmith Rowe. Um, that would be... No, it's got to be like... I mean, it has to be like... It has to be like, is it? It has to be like, is it? Not least because he'll get in the way in free kicks and try and take a few of them off Erdegaard and he'll take the odd away. I think it'll be Lacazette before his move back to Leon, um, God willing. And um, the assist one, I imagine, I would like it to be Saka. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go for Odegaard as the assister. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say... I'm going to say Smith Rowe for the score. Because mm. I don't... Yeah, I just can't really see the strikers. I mean, I suppose... Yeah, you're right, it should be Lacazette. It should be, but I'm not sure it will be. So I think either one of Saka or Smith Rowe for me. And that is nuts. Well, And that is nuts. That- yeah. That's even a thing. Okay, last one. Call me Joey, 419. Um, he said, what did you make of Steffi Mavadidi's comments on William Saliba? I don't know if you saw this. Former Arsenal um, winger who went to Juventus is now playing with Montpellier in Ligue 1 who spoke about Saliba and said, this guy's wow. He's going to walk into the Arsenal team next year. He said, I think the best judges of talent are players themselves. And I found his remarks on Saliba quite telling. I have found myself siding with Arteta on most of his man management philosophies in the past, but failure to reintegrate Saliba after two very successful years on loan would be a massive flop. Nothing to disagree with. Nothing to disagree with there. It's a really, really odd situation. I mean, there are people who've seen much more of him, and um, but we've seen we we you know we bust a gut to get him, and the manager just doesn't seem to have taken to him. We messed up his loan. Like, I mean, we're talking about integrating him back into the team, but he may very well. I, mean, I don't know the details of his contract, but two he may years. very well. Two Sorry? years. He's got two years left after this season, so. Right, so we're already in the uh-oh, it's two years point, and he hasn't played a game for us. Well, the uh-oh point for Arsenal is about two weeks before the transfer expires. Then we just give them a load of money and they go away. Right. Um, I agree. I agree with um, uh, with the author of that message, basically, that it is very hard to... It will, be a really, it will feel really, really bitter if mm. um, we don't get a good look at this player. You know, I um, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with Call Me Joey, four one nine. I agree with you. What I would say is, I 
my position on this has slightly changed over the course of this season in that, you know, one, we've seen, I think when Saliba was out, there was a sense that Arteta wasn't into young players as such. They didn't want to use them as much. And we saw like stupid stuff like Willie Ang coming in who never should have come and that sort of leaning into experience thing. But, you know, the the overall age and age profile of the team has changed a lot. And the best players we've had this season have been our young players. From, you know, back to front with Ramsdale, Tommy Yasu, Gabriel, Smith Rosaka, Odegaard, etc., etc., Martinelli. And I, I'm looking at Saliba playing regularly, developing well as a footballer, getting lots of praise, but also having the occasional Rick as a young defender will um, and learning from it. And I think it's good. I think the, the decision to loan him out has so far, I think it's proven to be a good one. The question now is get him back in, reintegrate him, bring him in, extend his contract, give him a chance to play at Arsenal because we paid a lot of money for him. But I think the loan has been a, a good thing for him and, you know, I hope we can then maximize that decision when it comes to, you know, putting our squad together for next season. I think you're right. I think the loan I think the loan has been great. I think it's very difficult for a, a young player, a young centre-back to come in. It's something that um, we always used to hear. Mm. Um, I mean, he's only 20. Yeah, but we've, we seem to really pissed off him and his team. So... The loan becomes a good thing, but it does feel more. Do they feel like he's being shunned? And he's like, and has the attitude been not? I'm going to go away and learn my trade. It's going to be well. I'm going to show you, and then I'm going to do one to one of the <laughs> big continental clubs. Well, maybe. I don't. I don't know. And I'm, you know, I've got my fingers crossed that it's a positive there, and try not to be too down on the, you know, the administration as it were. Yeah, I mean, he did say. I think he did say last week that he respected the decision to send him out on loan, you know, having, maybe it was a slap in the face, you know, maybe it was something he wasn't keen on, but, you know, playing regularly elsewhere might be just the best thing for him at his age. And, you know, like you, I hope, I hope we can bring him in because he's got pretty much everything you need from a modern central defender, you know, the, the pace, the physical presence, all of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we'd have a nice, then we'd have a nice bunch of defenders there, yeah. right? Like, um, as long as Cedric is Cedric leaving this summer, I don't think so. I don't think he he'll, <laughs> he'll ever leave. Ever leaving, I don't no. think he'll ever go. <laughs> but you said that about Glatanach, <laughs> and seven years later, uh, um, <laughs> he, 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 he finally went. I did think he'd last them all. Time waits for no man, uh, not even Glatanach. <laughs> all right, look, we will leave it there for now. Uh, as ever, Tyo, thank you very much indeed. Much appreciated. Always a pleasure, Andrew. Cheers. Thank you to Tayo. You can find him on Twitter at DJ Tayo, at DJ Tayo. And thank you as well to our Patreon members, our Discord users, who gave us the questions around which uh, we had that conversation. So thank you to you guys. Lots of stuff in the Patreon this week as well. We had a poorly drawn month, which is um, a recap, which we do every month, uh, but with words and gags by me and poorly drawn Arsenal, who I'm sure you know from his... Uh, 
uh, player ratings images and from his Twitter and Instagram as well. It's a really fun thing to do. So check it out if you haven't already. Also, another episode of Waffle, myself and James talking about anything and everything apart from Arsenal, which this week was no bad thing at all. That is there for you right now. You can sign up for a fiver a month at patreon.com forward slash arseblog. For now, though, we will leave it there. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join myself and James on Monday for an Arsecast Extra. Of course, Arsenal don't play until next Thursday against Wolves. Nevertheless, we'll be here on Monday with a podcast for you, as always. Have a great weekend. Talk to you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Sky Sports News and breaking news for you. Arsenal have made a signing in this transfer window which is open for the purposes of this end of Arscast bid. They have brought in for £44 million Steve Scoresfreely from Championship side Chukatikinan Town. He's expected to meet up with his new teammates at Arsenal's warm weather training camp in Alaska. The new signing certainly fills a gap in the Arsenal squad and... Sorry, we're just getting some more breaking news here. It's coming through to me now. Arsenal have announced that Steve scores freely. Their new signing from just 73 seconds ago has been told he can leave the club. His contract has been terminated. Arsenal have paid up the full five years of his £127,322 a week deal. And their search for a new centre forward continues. This is Sky Sports News. Next up, John Terry tells us why he's got an NFT tattooed on his anus. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.